Welcome to the Expository Word Podcast, where we are listening to classic messages from Kimber Kaufman. Today we are continuing in a series from the book of Joshua. We trust you will enjoy today's message. Let's listen now to Kimber. Chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. The scripture reads, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is the eve of an attack that they've been waiting for for over 40 years. Hours away loomed severe hand-to-hand combat. This is the first time that children of Israel had ever seen a walled city. The walls were huge. This was the oldest city in the world. The inside wall was 12 foot thick. There was a 15 or 20 foot space with a 6 foot outside wall. And Joshua that night, they had, they, had, they had crossed the river. They had had the first Passover. They had circumcised all the men. They had all healed. And now it was ready for the offensive to start. And Joshua was out by himself, no doubt, much like Nehemiah would have surveying the situation and wondering, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell my colonels? This place is tightly shut up. If you look at chapter 6 and verse 1, it says no one was going in, no one was going out. The place was tightly shut up. In this city, there were, there were springs of water. They had gardens and produce. They were going to be secure and safe in there. And yet, the first assignment for the children of Israel to take over this land full of ites, you know what I mean by the ites, don't you? The Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, all the ites, all right? The first assignment was to get them out. So Joshua is out walking by himself. Everyone else is in their tents, capped around the tabernacle. And Joshua suddenly sees a man with a sword drawn. And Joshua is 90 years old. But boy, did this guy have spunk in life. And he pulls his sword out and imagines, hey, are you for us or are you against us? He could see the man was drawn, ready to fight, but he couldn't tell positionally if the guy was after him or what. So he says, hey, what's going on? Who are you for? Now, the answer is amazing. And I will tell you, I was startled when I first realized what the captain of the Lord's host said. In fact, I want you to know, this was Jesus Christ speaking. This is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And while he is there, Joshua says to him, are you for us? Are you against us? And the answer is neither. Now, can you figure that? Why would he say neither? Why is he saying this? I thought we heard for sure that God was covenanted with Israel. But friends, here's what the story is. The reason he says neither is because in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, God says this, it is not because of your righteousness, Israel, that I am taking you into this land. It is because of the wickedness of the people that are in the land. In fact, let me say it again. This is in Deuteronomy 9, 4 through 6. It is not because of your righteousness, but because of their wickedness. In fact, 
Let me make sure you've got this clear, Israel. It's not because of your righteousness, but their wickedness. Three times it says that. Now, friends, you know what? These people were not innocent people, just a little bit pagan that didn't know the Lord and needed a few missionaries. These were people that had heard for years of the power of Yahweh that delivered Israel out of Egypt. Rahab herself knew it and she believed. And she was in the city. These were people that sacrificed their children to their gods. These are people that gave themselves over wholly to demons. And God says, look, it's not because of you, but I want these people vomited out of the land because of their wickedness. In our politically correct society today, you can't say God can get for one person against another, but he sure can if we commit ourselves to sin and refuse to turn back. Now, Joshua thought up until this moment that he was the commander of the Lord's armies. But he suddenly found out that he wasn't the number one guy in charge. And when he realizes he's talking to Jesus Christ, he hits the deck. And Jesus says to him, take off your shoes. And this had to bring great encouragement to Joshua. You know why? That was the same phrase that he knew the burning bush said to Moses. Take off your shoes. And remember the promise in Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I'll tell you, friends. I want to take this passage with that quick explanation and explain to you a few things about the God of the Bible so that we can worship Him together. By way of application, I want you to look at point number one on the screens if you'll see it. The first thing is this. He is a God of great mercy. He is slow to wrath. In fact, the Scripture says His mercy endures forever towards them that fear Him. This is not the case of God saying to a bunch of his hitmen, hey, go get those people, even if they're a little bit innocent, they didn't exactly seek me exactly the way I wanted to, wipe them out. That's not what God says. He says in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 16, I'm not sure if we've got that on here. Yeah, we do. What do you know? It says this, in the, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. He is speaking to Abraham. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. The Amorites is a generic term for all of the people in the land of Canaan. And the point is, look at God is patient for 400 years with people that are sacrificing their children to their gods and giving themselves over to demons. This is not a spur of the moment thing. In fact, you can take the 400 years, you can have the 40 years of wilderness wanderings, you've got close to 500 years when you put it all together of God's patience. This is a statement of the amazing patience of the Almighty God. Secondly, I want you to see this, and let's go to application point number two. Go to application number two, guys. In application point number two, I want you to see this. The God of the Bible loves to affirm and strengthen his people according to their various and particular needs. Joshua was wondering, how am I going to get into this city? What am I going to do? And the God of the Bible is not a God that's hard to please. He's not a God that that says, hey, you know, I I told you how to ride the bike and just go ride it. No, he's like a father that loves his child that's first on the riding of the bike and he runs after the child to make sure you don't fall over. He loves to give you encouragement. He loves to say, look, you can do it. Keep going. All right? The third thing I want you to see by way of application is this. Be very careful before you make God to be on your side. Rather, make it your aim to be on his side. All right? Now, friends, that's important. Listen to this, guys and gals. Abraham Lincoln was asked by one of his cabinet members at the height of the Civil War if God was on the Union side. Lincoln responded by saying, I never wondered that. Rather, I wondered if we were on God's side. Okay? Now, that's important to know. We need to stop and ask ourselves this question. Before we build our fortresses, before we we say, hey, we are it, baby. And, you know, God's got to be on our side. We've got our program laid out. 
Before we do that, we better back up and say, wait a minute, is our program in line with God's? All right? Boy, that's important. The fourth thing I want you to see is this. Application point number four is this. God wants his people to know him, his presence, and his greatness. You know, with Ezekiel, before he gave him a job to do, he showed him his holiness. With Isaiah, before he gave him a job to do, he showed him his holiness. With Moses, Moses was, was an impotent leader until he saw the burning bush, and then he became a powerful man. And God wants us to know him. All right. We can develop that more, but I would just say that we need to know them. Spurgeon wrote this, I desire, dear flock, that you exercise your minds, your faith, your spiritual powers, and vividly believe that Jesus is here. So believe it, so that your inner eye beholds what you believe. All right. The fifth thing I want you to see is this. Living by faith means obeying the Lord even when it does not seem to make sense. Hey, get a hold of this. They, they go into the land of giants, the land they've been afraid to go into for years. The first thing they do is circumcise all the men. They were a group of sitting ducks. Remember the story of Shechem? Two men from Israel wiped out the whole city when they'd been circumcised. Do you remember that? Right? Now the next thing they do is they say, all right, here's the instructions. I want you to march around the city seven times. I mean, one time each day for six days, and then on the seventh day, seven times. Hey, all that would do would give time for the other nations to get there to fight them. That makes absolutely no sense. But that's not the main point I want to get to. But you need to remember that when Jesus says jump, you say how high. He says through the window, you dive no matter how thick the glass is. All right? <laughs> now, here's the point I wanted you to see tonight. All right? The sixth point is this. Ultimately, this text is about God saying, I am for me. Do you know why he says neither? Listen, the, re the reason that God says, I am not for the, all of the ites, and I'm not for you, Israel, I'm for me. You know what, friends? This is so exciting. I can't wait to tell you this. Now listen, all right, listen. Here's what God's saying. I am for me. In fact, when he said, I am for me, he meant he was for you, all right? Watch this. Now just watch. If you want to be for me, you better, if you want me to be for you, you better be for me. Now watch this. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. You know what? We know what we're talking about. They're Egypt, right? But afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace in a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet been full. Now, friends, we've already looked at these verses, but I want you to rem remember something. The reason God says neither is because God wants to carry out his plan, and his plan is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. Now, get this. Here's why God said neither. He said neither because these people, and give me the map, guys. He said these people living in this land of, of Jordan, or in, in the land of Canaan, these people living here, they are sacrificing their children, they are worshiping demons, and they've been doing it for four to five hundred years, and I tell you the truth, everybody, I'm sick of them. That's what he said. Okay. Now, by the way, if you're here tonight and you're struggling with sin, and you say, I don't want to sin, and I keep sinning, and you say, that which I hate, that I do. And the good that I want to do, I don't do it. And in your heart, you say, if there was a button I could press, and I would press that button, and I would never sin again. Well, I want to tell you something. That qualifies for the fear of the Lord. And that is the desire you don't really want to sin, and you hate the fact that you do. But if you're here tonight, and you're sinning, and you say, you know, I'm going to sin and sing in the choir. 
And you know, say, hey, I'm going to sing and pastor a church. Sin, not sing, but sin and pastor a church. For me, that would be both the same thing. All right? Now, now listen. All right? It says this. I'm going to bold, bold face. I'm going to continue in sin. And God's a God of grace. He's going to cover my rear end no matter what I do. All right, friends? You're in trouble. All right? You're in trouble. Because the point is, God says, I'm not for them. I'm not for you. I'm not for them because they're sin. In Israel, if you act like them, I'm not for you. All right? But guess what? Let me show you something. This is an amazing piece of property. Did you know something, friends? Now get this. This way, right here, ran the Via Maria, a major highway north and south. Right over here, you can see it, just east of the Jordan River, ran the King's Highway. Another major, major highway. Right across here, Ran, ran the road through Jericho, ran the road that connected the two. Now guess what? In the known world at that time, if you wanted to go from Italy all the way down to North Africa, the only way there, if you weren't going to go by boat, was through here. You want to see what is the fulfillment here? The reason God says, I'm not for them and I'm not for you unless you stay in line is this. What was the, Abraham, what was the Abrahamic promise? The Abrahamic promise is this, through your seed, a few nations of the earth will be blessed. Was that what he said? Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so in the known world, he puts Israel right at the cross section. You can't go north, you can't go south, you can't go anywhere. Even if you want to go far northeast or far west, you've got to go this way through this land to get there. He says, I'm going to put a people right in there from which my son comes, and my son is going to be the final fulfillment of the Abrahamic blessing. And get this, because this is the greatness of God's love. The only reason he got rid of the ites is because the ites would not cooperate with his messianic plan. And he says, get the ites out of here so I can be a blessing to all the nations. Isn't that great? That's a God that we can sing songs about. That's a God that we can worship. Fantastic. Let us pray. It is to you, Father, that we bow our heads with praise, adoration, and worship in our hearts. We thank you for tonight. I have so looked forward to this night. We praise you for it. It is our, our desire, Lord, to... to uh, encourage one another to uplift our faiths to cause us to live a godly life this week for the sake of Jesus Lord this world is passing away so quickly we spend our years as a tale that was told our days are but a vapor that appear for a time and then they're gone and how we long to bring glory to the, your son's name and make our lives count for eternity thank you for the songs of praise receive them and delight in them let them echo through the chambers of heaven. Thank you for these people that you have redeemed. And then, Lord, work in our midst, Father, to cause us to be the kind of people that stop worrying about whether or not you're on our side, but instead worry about whether we're on your side. And we praise your name. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. That concludes today's message from the Expository Word. Please join us again for more classic messages from Kimber Kaufman. Take care.